Hi everybody, I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kersky. And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 82. The Valentine's Day episode. Kind of. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see how this works out in the end. Okay, so, uh, Dan, you know, since we just kind of brought you in on this. Hey, hey. The, uh, the idea behind this episode is uh, a special Valentine's Day episode. Not that we necessarily have a plan of anything to talk about, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like... I love you, Dan. Aww. <laughs> uh, if you think about that's, it... That's nice for you. <laughs> Valentine's Day is the only holiday that we have that's, like, you know, completely devoted to one of the emotions in the, you know, the spectrum. Mm, no, okay. I'm, sh- I'm sure we'll think of something as we go, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... So yeah, so we have some news. We do have some news, and this fits because we all love Green Lantern and we all love cool stuff. So <laughs> I, I, I like your loose affiliation to our news. That's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Chad, you want to talk about the, uh, the the movie, the animated movie? Uh, yeah, we don't know a whole lot about the animated movie yet, but what we do know is that. Oh, crap. I already forgot his name. What's his name? <laughs> Nathan Fillion. There you go. Nathan Fillion is the voice of, of Hal Jordan, which, if I'm not mistaken, people thought he should actually be Hal Jordan in the actual live-action movie. There were a lot of fan trailers. Well, those were fan-made trailers, right? Yeah, but I mean, like there were fan trailers with him as Green Lantern. Yeah. So, uh, oh, uh, here it is. The, uh, the voice cast includes Nathan Fillion, uh... Elizabeth Moss, which I'm assuming is Aresia, Jason Isaacs, Henry Rollins, and Arnold Vosolo. Voslo, something like that. And basically what this animated movie is going to be uh, is if you've seen the uh, the Gotham Knight animated movie, it's like a whole bunch of different tales packed into one, into one over overlapping story. Uh, there'll be a Kilowog, a Sinestro... Uh, I believe it's Aresia and maybe a few others. Um, and as far as the actual plot of the movie, uh, I'm not sure. But, yeah, we've got an animated Green Lantern movie. I believe it's coming out in June 7th, if I'm not mistake, mistaken. Is. So, is. yeah, we'll have two Green Lantern <laughs> movies in a matter of a week or two. I'm so happy about like this is exactly I swear to God this is exactly what I wanted them to do for the next movie, like before they even uh, before they even announced they were doing this I was like they should take like Gotham Knights and just do Green Lantern so like a Tales of the Core kind of thing, and it is exactly it's like an or it's a uh, non origin it's like an anthology DVD of different Green Lantern stories. I actually wish that they had done this for the first animated movie. Oh, God, you're just biased against the whole first flight thing. I still don't understand why you hate that so much. I don't hate it. Why won't you do a goddamn commentary with me? Exactly. I will eventually. Did eventually. You, did you say uh, who was doing some of the writing for the movie? Oh, uh, it's uh, Jeff Johns, Alan Burnett, and Dave Gibbons. So we know that we're in good hands. Exactly. And, and not only that, but... Uh, Reading directly from the site, Hal Jordan, Kilowog, Sinestro, and other members of the Green Lantern Corps uh, recount their greatest adventures to to new recruit Aresia. So they're talking to her. They're telling her about it. It's almost like she's a 
you know, standing beside the Book of Oa and everyone's talking to her. Everything from tales of the first lantern to the ominous events that led to the corpse Blackest Night. So oh. we might see some Blackest Night type stuff in this, <laughs> in this animated movie. Oh, man. Yeah, now, Which would be so cool. I'm looking for it because I can never remember this. How <clears throat> what this character's name is. What's what's the bounty hunter dude that he hates Guy Gardner and he was in he was in Mogo's first appearance. It's like a really long alien word that starts with a B, I think. Uh, Hold on, I actually bought that issue the other day with the backup till uh, Mogo doesn't socialize, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yes. it. Okay, I bought that issue the other day. Hold on, let me find that. I'm looking because I swear to God, in one of these articles about this thing, they mentioned his name. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think we're gonna get that. Mo we might get that Mogo story in there. Oh, that would be awesome. That'd be awesome if they just translate. Mogo doesn't socialize. <laughs> I know. It'll be like, like less than five minutes long, but it'll be great. Oh, and it, yeah, that's the one. That's the character that's gonna be voiced by Rowdy Roddy Piper. Is that oh, who's that guy? <laughs> the wrestler. Bolafunga the unrelenting. That's it. Yeah, Bolafunga. Oh there you go. God. I want confirmation of how to say his name, and now I'm gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and Michael Jackson is voicing Gambette. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I choose not to elaborate on that. <laughs> 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 so we got that coming out now something else that uh i think a lot of our listeners are absolutely going to love which you know fits into the valentine's day theme also is uh a whole list of green lantern merchandise coming from dc direct Woohoo! Mm -hmm. first up we have a ryan reynolds hal jordan statue he's uh recharging his ring at with his power battery that's uh I don't know how tall that one is. That's probably about a foot tall. Yeah, that's the maquette. Uh, 14 and a half inches tall. It's uh, cold cast porcelain. So you got that one. You have uh, a bunch of busts. You have busts of the characters from the movie. You have Hal Jordan, Ryan Reynolds. You have Sinestro from the movie, Tomar Ray, and Kilowog. And uh, Kilowog is, you know, this hulking character that stands, you know, a full kilowog size head above Sinestro. Uh, and their their bases are, you know, basically modeled after the Green Lantern movie ring. And uh, let's see, those are about six inches or so high, uh, with the exception of Kilowog, which is... Oh, that's weird. Do they not have a size for him? Well, no, it's saying that the, the size is basically the same as the others. Oh, that's sad. If that, that's messed up. That's really sad if they just modified the look so that he looks like he's much larger than the rest of the guys. Because if he's the same size as everybody else, that's that'll be very sad. Yeah. I mean, it looks awesome, like, group shot in the picture they have up. Yeah. He's, like, he's a full head taller than everyone. Yes. A full kilowog size head. Yes. But... <laughs> Okay, so that that's all very cool. I'll, I'm considering getting that that uh, Ryan Reynolds Hal Jordan bust, but um, what they have that's really cool is the prop replica of the movie battery. 
uh, cold cast porcelain also. It lights up when you raise the ring to, you know, to the battery, uh, light it up. That's going to be 15 inches high and uh, comes with a men's ring size 14. Additionally, they're going to be coming out with a Green Lantern Power Ring Prop Replica Ring separate from the battery. I don't know what the ring is going to look like, you know, that comes with the battery. I don't know if it's the same ring that, you know, they're also selling here, but uh, it's Prop Replica. It's got the, you know, the faux metal, the, the distressed metal band with the translucent green faux crystal. So that's that's definitely going to be something everybody's going to be shooting for. Now, that is a size 13. And, you know, as DC Direct always says, you know, the ring is just a prop replica and not meant to be worn, but uh, lots of people wear it. <laughs> and uh, then we continue on. We have two more busts. These are these are one, one fourth scale, so they're seven and a half inches high. Uh, you have one of Ryan Reynolds and one of Sinestro, and uh, it's like they're, you know, their upper torso and they're like coming kind of bubbling out of green energy. And then you have the coolest statue of Ryan Reynolds. This one is let's see. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> very awesome. This is nine and three 9.34 inches high. This is this it's a massive statue with Ryan Reynolds like going to punch somebody and he's got a giant green energy fist. He's flying, and under him, you know, like his, his flight trail is like a, a bunch of green energy, um, translucent green energy base. The fist is translucent green. It is absolutely fantastic looking. We have links on the forum if you want to go check this stuff out, you know, or go to Daily Blam and, uh, you know, search for some of the Green Lantern news that they've been showing. Uh, that's, that statue is fantastic. That's probably one of the best I've seen. And what's cool about it, and Jim and I were talking about this earlier, is there is no like actual base to this. The the bottom green energy is the base for it. So you could like put a light under this and light it up, and it would be so cool. Yeah, it would be nice if the the busts were uh, you know had like a like a clear bottom, because mm -hmm. uh, the way that that energy is just like you know kind of coming up and it's it's almost like two hands like, cupped together, you know, of, of energy. And then, you know, the, the character's you know, upper torso, like, right in there. That would be awesome to, like, just shine a light and have it glowing. What would look great is, um, for Iron Man and Iron Man 2, I, I don't know who made these, but they have busts out that's... Oh. It's, it, it has, like, the... There's, like, a, a thing in the base where you flip, you put in... Like, it's battery-powered, and you flip a switch, and there's, like, an LED light inside the bus that lights up his uh, his chest thing and the eyes in the helmet. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, and, like, they could do something like that here with, like, even to just, like... Because uh, cause in the, the trailer and whatever, you can tell there's there's light emanating out through the costume from behind the symbol. So you could even just have, like, one light in there and, like, just let it go. Yeah. What would be even cooler is if, like, you had, like, a display case set up with, with the bus and the lights and everything like that, and you had, like, a motion sensor, so you, like, walk in front of it, and it just, like, lights up, and everything starts glowing amazingly. <laughs> yeah. Now, what I have to ask you guys, because I'm not, I'm not going to get it, but 
Jim's a power battery collector, and Dan, a few episodes ago, you said you wanted a Green Lantern power battery, so are you guys getting that thing? I will be. I have an issue, <laughs> and you might have to convince me it's not an issue. I was all set to go, to go. oh, cool, DC Direct, because I don't have any idea how much the Noble Collection charges for their stuff. I used to have one of their catalogs back when they were doing Lord of the Rings and stuff, but that's long gone. I don't know what their prices were, but I'm assuming they will be more expensive than DC Direct. But the DC Direct one is made of porcelain. And to me, the word porcelain is completely interchangeable with this will break, no matter what. <laughs> well, it's not like it's not like a porcelain doll. It's it's cold cast porcelain. So, like, if you've ever considered getting a statue, mm -hmm. that's basically what this is made out of. Mm. So, I mean, you just have to treat it just like a statue. Well, plus the fact Jim told me this earlier, it it would have to be something like porcelain for it to light it up the way it does in the movie. Uh, I guess that's true. Yeah. Yeah, because like it's not you're not just looking at the, you know, the face of this lighting up. You're also you know looking at the central part of the battery kind of glows itself. Whereas with the you know the other power battery props, you know they're they're thick enough and opaque enough that light doesn't pass through them. Except at the you know the face of the lantern. I don't know. I just I'm just I would be so nervous because like like just like this big hunk of porcelain that's like that's probably it's like probably a really good size. I'll, I'll, I'll just be freaking out every time somebody closes the door. I'd be yelling at them to do it X softer. <laughs> now, do we think this will? How do we think this will be priced compared to the uh, the current line of power brat power batteries they're doing? I think I think it's probably going to be about the same exact price. Well, well, you know, this maybe the fact that they went for cold cast porcelain is for like a cost you know saving thing, so that it could be, you know, that that size and still cost the same as the other power batteries. Oh, would that that would make it cheaper than uh than a uh, resin? I don't know. It might. Hmm. Well. My question is, this is all being put out through DC Direct. So, like, for instance, when you take, like, the, the the Batman movies, how much stuff do you think that movie generated that fan... Like, okay, us as fans, we know about it because it's just anything Green Lantern we pretty much find out about. But does DC Direct really have much of a market to the general public? Like, someone watching this movie... Uh, who's this is their first exposure to Green Lantern, period. They just wanted to see a superhero movie. And saying they like it and they want to find merchandise, would they really go to DC Direct? No. no. Well, if, you type in, if you type in Green Lantern, you know, power battery, you know, you're going to get a lot of options from DC Direct. Okay. Now, when, when Batman was out, I, I'm pretty sure that some of the the statues and um, you know more upscale things from DC Direct made their way to some more mainstream locations. You know, off the top of my head, I, I can't remember what, but I mean, I know that you could find some some DC Direct Batman stuff at like you know, Suncoast Videos or uh, you know certain locations like that. You know, 
Whereas, you know, it, it, you'd probably see, like, the same stuff at, you know, places that would have the Noble Collection. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, where do you go to actually look at the Noble Collection? You go online. Or FAO Schwartz, you know, something like that. And FAO Schwartz has a lot of DC Direct stuff also. So, I, the thing that I'm curious about is, you know, we know that the Noble Collection has the rights to do the battery prop and also the rings, uh, but now here's a DC Direct battery prop and ring. So, you know, like, what's going to be the difference? Uh, is there going to be, like, a significant price difference? Is the Noble Collection going to have, like, different sizes for the rings? Is their ring going to be, like, you know, actually meant to be worn? Mm. Or, you know, what? Like, there's a lot of questions that we have no idea yet because the Noble Collection isn't showing anything yet. I think, well, the, biggest, I think the biggest question is... Will DC Direct get any of this stuff out before the Green Lantern sequel? <laughs> well, I actually think that they're probably going to have this stuff ready to go for June. Hmm. They they probably have kind of fast tracked that uh, because with the Batman stuff, like you didn't hear about it until fairly you know close to the movie, and then it was just it was out quick. So. You know, hopefully they'll they'll be able to fast track you know this as well. Well, I think I think they're missing out on some money by not putting out rings that fit everybody, because you I mean you would think if there was ever a time for DC Direct uh, to merchandise a Green Lantern ring that could fit anybody, like besides the you know like Dan says the one size fits none thing, <laughs> to to if they were to market sized green lantern rings this is the time to do it like this will be exposed to everybody and i'm i am damn sure that there are going to be people going walking out of that theater going i want a ring yeah well that comes back to the problem of of uh dc directs visibility because i mean other than stumbling onto them through google the only place they have a significant presence is in a comic book store and then it's the whole problem of, well, is the movie going to get somebody to go into to the comic book store? Well, the thing that you're missing, though, is, like, the toys are all going to come with a ring. You know, like, the way that I am, am picturing it, you're probably going to have, like, a very, you know, cheap-looking ring with the basic figures. But then, like, you know, with the more deluxe figures, they've already said that there's going to be rings that you know, are, like, die-cast. So, you know, like, you know, it's going to be, like, you know, varying, ter- you know, degrees of quality with all the prop rings. But if somebody wants a ring, they're going to be able to get a ring, you know, when this movie comes out. I'm still amazed they're actually making one of these rings size 13 or 14 or something. <laughs> yeah, four- 14 comes with the battery. 13 is the one that, that comes on its own. Now, this is kind of, Kind of off topic, but are, are either of you looking at the picture that shows the battery? Yes. Yeah. Two things. That little brown part at the top, is there a symbol in that I'm seeing? What is that? And second of all, what's the symbols on little side rings? Like, there could be nothing at all, but I just thought it was worth mentioning. I can't really... I, it's The picture isn't uh, big enough for me to be able to see, you know, yeah, what's know. on that. It's it's Owen writing. Maybe Abinster etched in the Blackest Night prophecy. 
You get it comes with a free decoder ring. You can unlock the secrets of the universe. Well, for a second, that thing in the handle looked kind of like an eye, and then I looked really close, and I thought I could for a second I could almost see the Sinestro Corps symbol. It's those two old guys from the Muppets who hate theater. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in other news, we found out that there's going to be a series of prologue comic books that'll uh you know be like leading up to the movie um oh we forgot to mention the uh, figure for the animated movie oh oh right uh um, you're doing another animated figure yes i did not well, see a statue a little maquette yeah to uh, fit in with the the hal uh, the hal jordan from first flight they'll have a uh a sinestro statue this time around oh I didn't see that. Okay, hold on. I don't like it. He has kind of an almost an old man face and kind of like a, a beard and a mustache. I don't like it. He doesn't have a beard. Well, he's got too much mustache then. Whatever. You know what I was actually thinking the other day? No. So, oh, well, then. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> but so, I think Sinestro might look cool with a goatee. <laughs> not, not yet. Oh Jesus Christ! What is this? Yeah, see. Yeah, that's. He's like, he's got a fat guy face. Yeah, see. <laughs> <laughs> like his neck is wider above his collar than it is in his collar. He he's got a fat guy, fat guy head. Oh boy. And rocket boots apparently. Well, anyway, so they're doing a series of prequel <laughs> comics to be released. Just before the movie, uh, these are gonna come come out in May. We've got uh, one for Sinestro, one for Kilowog, one for Abin Sir, one for Tomar Ray, and one for Hal Jordan. Uh, and uh, at this, we're looking at uh, creative teams like Jeff Johns, uh, Peter Tomasi. You've got uh, Michael Green, Mark Guggenheim, and then uh, art by guys such as Jerry Ordway, Cliff Richards, Carl Keschel. Joe Bennett, Fabrizio Fiorentino, and Fernando Dagnino, which uh, Fernando Dagnino and uh, Joe Bennett, and I believe Fabrizio Fiorentino, but I'm not sure about Fabrizio, they uh, do the art on the Generations Lost, the Justice League Generations Lost comic. <laughs> Fernando Dagnino is fantastic. So that, that one right there, it's written by Jeff Johns and Michael Goldenberg. That's definitely going to be, you know, an awesome one. I, I'm sure they'll all be, you know, fun, but that's a cool one. Who Who is Mike Green, the writer? I, I was familiar with the other writers you said, but who who is he? It doesn't matter. His last name is Green. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> well, he must he must be good at writing a Green Lantern yeah. comic. That, he was born for it. That's like how they got that guy with the last name Webb to write the Spider-Man movie. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> That that's really true too. They did that. Well, that's like that guy that they got to write the Superman movie, John Kryptonite. Oh yeah, well, love him. Had had pie with his folks the other day. He's a great guy. But like this, I was blown away by this creative these creative teams. Like by now we all know movie tie-in comics suck. They're a complete <laughs> waste of time, paper, and I'll say blood vessels for some reason every single time. But this like like. 
I first off, I expected to just to get a straight movie adaptation, have it be written by some random person who just wanted a paycheck and a hack. yeah, and be able to just ignore <laughs> it. Then they're like, oh yeah, by the way, there's gonna be five. I'm like, what? And it's they're all prequels, huh? And they're five great people that know what they're doing and know how to write Green Lantern. And I'm like, what? This doesn't make sense. <laughs> this is completely bucking this trend of garbage. I mean, like, seriously, half the writing team on these five things are the people who have made the Green Lantern books everything good that they are for the last several years. So it's like, okay, I guess I'm getting all five of these. <laughs> yeah, no, without a doubt, I was definitely getting them. Now, what do you think these will actually have to do with, like, do you think you can, if by reading these you'll get a veritable better experience out of the movie or you need these to watch the movie or do you think these will be just completely separate cool stories by themselves i'm honestly expecting most of these to be if not all of these to be fairly throwaway like like it might enhance the the viewing experience a little if you read them first but if you don't it won't really matter yeah i'm I'll definitely pick them all up and uh, and read them before the movie, if only to kind of get a nice background going into the movie to find out, like, okay, I know all there is to know, well, not everything, obviously not everything, but I know a lot about the comic universe of Green Lantern. And, like, you know, when you go to the movie, okay, there's going to be a lot of changes because it has to fit for the movie. So, you know, it's like, okay, I know it's going to be Green Lantern, but I don't know anything else about it. So by reading these prequels, you know, it's going to give you a nice setup for, you know, for entering into that movie universe. That's, that goes along with something Mm -hmm. I was wondering to myself after I saw this list. I was, I was thinking to myself, like, who are these really for? Because, you would almost expect these to be something written and marketed towards people who don't know the comics already, except that they're they're only going to be in comic stores, which means those people won't get to them before the movie. If and and, and again, they're coming up before the movie, so before anybody who doesn't know Green Lantern sees the movie and gets interested in Green Lantern, so it's it's weird. It's it's it feels like one of those projects where. They're doing it for the eventual converted fan, but it's going to end up just being read by us. Well, I mean, the thing I think you're overlooking is the fact that these will come out beforehand, and who's going to buy them? Green Lantern fans is going to buy them. And that's going to pay for the comic and make money. Then they're going to collect it into a trade paperback, and if all these are coming out in May then, uh, you know, maybe they get the trade put together by June so that, you know, people that are going to see the movie, like, oh, it's like, oh, I want more, you know, having to do with this this movie. It's like, oh, we just got this trade paperback, you know, and and it collects all of them, you know, and if it's not out by the time of the movie is out, then it's definitely going to be out by the time the DVD is out, and they'll definitely be able to capitalize on that. If DC's trade program wasn't kind of terrible, I would agree with you. <laughs> but like, like this, I mean, it, it, keeping in, in line with what I said about you know the batteries being held up, it it 
like there's uh, to use another DC example, Batman and Robin. They're on their I think third hardcover. The first trade paperback has not even been. I don't think it's even been solicited yet. It's like DC is bad when it comes to turnaround time for softcover trades. I think they're they're like that when they know that they can get away with it because I, not everything is coming out in a hardcover first. There there are some things that are going straight to trade paperback. Yeah, well the the stuff that they know isn't as popular to to make people war to warrant shopping around a hardcover, but like everything Green Lantern has been hardcover first, except for Green Lantern Core, and that changed as of the story arc right before Blackest Night. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just, I feel like with something like this, you will, you are going to want to try and get this out just in time for the DVD, if not the movie. Oh yeah, and I I want you to be right. Let me, let me make that very clear. I want you to be right about this, because I want people to be able to come out of that movie theater, walk across the street or across the mall food court to a Barnes and Noble and walk in and see a display that has, has, Hey, a green lantern book. And that all these look kind of cool, but this one looks like the movie. I'll try this. Yeah. That would be awesome. Like that's that I'm honestly, I'm still cannot believe they wasted this opportunity to put out out a green lantern earth one original graphic novel for exactly this purpose. Yeah. But I, I I just hope they capitalize on this. I hope they don't just waste this opportunity. Yeah, not not only that, but if they walk across the you know the food court or whatever to that Barnes and Noble, when they open it up, there's an ad in there as well, like in the back cover or something like that for like Greenland and Rebirth and stuff, and they that segues into the actual comic universe, which is which would be incredible. Yeah. But my question is. Why haven't we heard so much in the way of how this is coming out, like all this merchandising stuff? To kind of tie into my DC question, my DC Direct question, like what have of the stuff we have seen so far? When you go into a Walmart and walk past the store, the the toy section, what of that stuff are you going to see on the shelves? Like because when I go into a Target or a Walmart or whatever, there's still, still to this day, a huge Iron Man two section. But yeah. I mean. Marvel is better at putting out stuff than DC is when it comes to their movies. But how is, like, what is going to be, like, is that Rotlot fan figure, is that going to be something that you see more in the, the comic book store or something you see sitting on the shelf at Walmart? Definitely Walmart. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the, uh, I have the least toy knowledge of everybody here right now. But from what I can gather from all over the place is that just movie toy line tie-in things just don't really sell that well anymore and i know they even had to uh what what's the what's the line that had the stell build a figure uh mattel the classics yeah yeah it's like i know they had to they had to to cancel any further further um waves of that because they wanted to to give that shelf space to merchandise from the movie they didn't want to have, like... Because they wanted to keep, like, whatever the one that's just... I think it's DC Classics or something. I don't know what it's called. The one that's just general DC heroes. Mm-hmm. Infinite Heroes, I don't know. And they wanted to have, like, this Green Lantern thing. But they didn't want to have, like, three Green Lantern lines. And they wanted to keep this other one. So they had to chop something down. Yeah. 
not to mention wave two of the Green Lantern line with the Stell build figure has a Gahu movie figure tie-in, so it's almost like a segue into more movie figures. <laughs> yeah, no, you'll you're gonna see like you'll see a ton of Green Lantern merchandise in the stores, and like I, I honestly believe that this is gonna do better than say like the Batman merchandise. The bat the Batman merchandise really. You know, it, it wasn't that great. And, like, of of the stuff that they had, which actually looked pretty good, what was the, like, the, the movie Masters, which was, like, I don't know, $15, like, $13, when everything else was, like, $8, $7. And it came with, like, you know, a little, almost a prop, but not really. Like, they'd have, like, a card for the Joker or, like, a micro Batarang kind of thing. But yeah, there, there wasn't a lot of draw. I think with Green Lantern and the the concept that you're getting a ring with it, like it, it's gonna sell a lot better than than that kind of stuff. I think I think it's gonna do very well. Well, something else that I think is really going to help it is that when you had like when you had uh, the Dark Knight, for example, you there you had toy lines for a movie that is in no way, shape, or form intended or appropriate for kids where and here with green lantern like just going based off of the trailer that we've seen it's it's going to be like lighter and probably like a little funnier like something that you could take your children to without (laughs) without having to explain no no the 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 pencil disappeared it fell off the table (laughs) so like just the fact that this might be something that you could take your kids to and they would think it's cool might move more more merchandise off the shelves. Well, out of the stuff we've seen so far, the only the only stuff I know for sure you'll see in stores is like in the thread on the forums. There's that picture that was posted of the little like fist gun thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and then there's the the Ryan Reynolds figure where you have the little gun that can the like cannon thing that can shoot little. I'm assuming like little uh, suction cup darts or something like that. The gun that but, he's standing behind. Yeah. Yeah. And the Green Lantern board game, like that. Yeah. But, but like I like for instance this stuff here that we're looking at, I don't think we'll see any of these busts. I don't, I don't expect to see a a, a box anywhere uh, with a picture on it. I don't expect. I don't even expect to see something as detailed as a DC direct figure in the store. If I see something that looks like it, like a, the, the level of detail that DC direct puts into their figures in the store, I'll be totally surprised. If I walk into, if I'm walking through Walmart and I see a Rotlop fan figure, I'm probably going to react the same way I would if the real Rotlop fan walked past me pushing a shopping cart. <laughs> be like, hey, Rot. <laughs> He'll be like, sup, and we'll high-five as he goes. He, I picture him only being, like, like three feet tall. Waddles. It's great. Okay. He's funnier when he's three feet tall. Oh. Except he can't see, he can't see, so when he goes for the high-five, you might get slapped in the face. Yeah, well, <laughs> these are the chances we take. Okay, so uh, so I, the only other like real news is that we're uh, we're up to twenty three follower followers on Twitter. God, hooray! It's not bad. Twenty three followers. I, I like that. We we want more. 
So if, if you're not on Twitter, sign up for Twitter just so that you can follow us. I think your dog has like 800 followers. Dog's not on Twitter. That you know of. <laughs> hey, I gave a Twitter account to a cat once. Don't think I'm above it. Oh, God. Yeah, so now that we've gotten the news out of the way, Valentine's Day. Yep. Got nothing. <laughs> Happy Star Sapphire Day, everybody. You know, it's funny. What's funny is that how many times have we, like, started an episode with, like, not really anything to talk about, and then we walk away, and it's like a two-hour episode. Yeah, we've been recording for, like, 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, when, when, you, when you're trying to hone in on, like, you know, the Valentine's Day theme, like, really, like, I, I would have loved to have planned something better for the Valentine's Day episode, but, uh... Oh, you know what sucks? I just thought of? I, I know a lot of things that suck, but what? Well, the one I'm thinking of specifically, like, months ago, I don't remember if this was a New York Comic Con thing or when this came out, you know, in kind of in the same breath as them talking about doing the Lark Lee's Christmas special. Right. They also they also mentioned there's going to be a uh, Rage Kitty-themed uh, Valentine's Day issue. Oh. And at the, at the time, I thought, oh, that's awesome, it's going to be next Valentine's Day. And this was last year, so I thought it was going to be this February, this this Monday, and then after putting in my my orders for February, I realized, hey, there's no Rage Kitty Valentine special in here, <laughs> and I haven't heard a word about it since. Son of a bitch, it's not for this year. What is it for next year? I I guess I don't know. I I assume they weren't messing around. I think they're really gonna do it. But see, this is this is a thing. This is the thing that annoys me about John sometimes, because he's, he's the one that said this, I, I believe. If I'm mistaken, my apologies. But I do believe he was the one that said they were doing it. He'll mention something that they're going to do, like, 13 months before they ever start to do it. Like, like how long have they been talking about this, this impending crypto Rage Kitty fight um. that we still have not seen? They were talking about that. Like, before Black as Night was over. Well, I mean, same thing with the, the Orange Lantern Oath. Yeah. It's like, okay, you know what? Just, just, we're obviously excited already. Just wait wait till we get a little closer, then bring it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I I mean, I'm kind of on the, the same same thing with, with Flashpoint. It's like, you know, they've been teasing the idea of Flashpoint, you know, for so long, and it's still not even here. Like, you know, we're not going to be at Flashpoint until, like, what, the summer? I honestly don't even know when it is. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I don't think it's until, I, I have absolutely no idea, but it's months away. So it's just like, there's a difference between building up anticipation and just, like, you know, teasing you and teasing you. It's like, oh, Flashpoint's coming! Flashpoint! Watch out for Flashpoint! And it's like, you know, okay, well, what is it? It's Flashpoint! <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> you know, just come on, you know, freaking give it to us already. Like, why you know, why do you have to tell us this far in advance? You know, it's like, it used to be that you were trying to keep some sort of secrets or something. Now it's just like, you know, oh, yeah, two years in, two years in the future... 
we're going to have, a, a, you know, this amazing storyline, you know, featuring Firestorm. I, you can't wait for it. It's going to change everything. It's going to be amazing. It's like, oh, well, that's great. You know, hopefully I'll forget about it by next week so that I don't have to, you know, have this in the back of my mind. It's like, oh, I can't wait for the Firestorm event. Oh, I can't wait for the Firestorm event. But then, like, you know, the next week they just be like, hey, you remember that Firestorm event we told you about? It's coming. Now it's two years. You know, it's like, God. it's just, it's so irritating having to wait that long. I mean, I feel the same way about, um, well, no, that's not exact. That's exactly the opposite of what I wanted to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say, like, I understand them wanting to, uh, to kind of almost overhype a Flash event because of, I mean, let's face it, even if you liked Flash Rebirth, it was kind of a failure on a bunch of levels. Uh-huh. And and the Flash ongoing series, which, you know, so far I've loved, it still has it still had lateness issues and it hasn't really been lighting everybody's world on fire. So right. they really want, like, it, if there's a franchise that needs a booster shot right now, it is the Flash. It needs... <laughs> Like the, it needs a high profile thing to be. <laughs> what? What? No, I'm just laughing because, like, you're absolutely right. They do really, really need that for the Flash, and I feel like this, the concept of this whole Flashpoint, is just going to be like taking an axe to the Flash's legs. I feel oh. like it's going to have like that kind of success. It's like, oh, you know what? Yeah, we see you're you're running around in circles. We're just going to you know, chop chop. You don't have legs anymore. I feel like, like it's such a bad idea for them to do this, and like they they're really putting all their eggs in one basket. Well, they're they're also assuming they can they can do for Flash what they did for Green Lantern in almost the exact same way. I mean, like like what did they like Green Lantern Rebirth, which which you know you can trace all the awesome Green Lanternness we have back to that. Yeah, that was a tremendous success. So what do they do? They decide, you know what? Let's let's try and breathe new life into the Flash in the same way with the exact same creative team, and it kind of bombed. And now they're they've let it go for a little while, for like what was it like a year, maybe two years? I don't even know. And now they're trying to move into this this big Flash event, which I don't even is Flashpoint supposed to be like like the big DC event for the summer or? I think so. Yeah, and, like, I assume this is going to be, like, their Sinestro War equivalent for the Flash, or their Blackest Night for the Flash, but, I mean, you know, pardon the pun, but it's too rushed, you know? <laughs> they, they've they've only had, like, I'm, I'm honestly, they should have been, I don't even know what issue number the Flash is up to by now, which, believe me, I do love the book right now, I just can't remember how many issues they've had. Eight or nine? Yeah, they should have been, like, closer to like the 20s by now they've just they're like five months behind when you add up all the delays yeah i think they should be around 12 or 13 really yeah i could have sworn they're i i don't remember you're probably right so explain to me because you guys um, you've been reading comics longer than i have has the flash ever been a popular series and if not what is the problem with the flash why don't people care at all is it is it a creative team or is it just the amount of stuff you can do with the character like what is it that doesn't draw people to the flash what's ironic is i think 
one of the the most popular eras of the Flash book was Jeff Johns' first run on it. You know, that's that's like the the thing that they're starting to collect in the uh, the hardcover Omnibuy starting in May, I think. Yeah. Everybody looks back on that on that uh, that incarnation of the series just just really having enjoyed, it, and everybody is still searching out those trades. Well, I tell you, I honestly never read that part of the Flash. However, I did read and love the the Mark Wade stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, I, that stuff was brilliant. Yeah, and he did something I love seeing, and he made it... Like, under his pen, The Flash, that series, was not just the Wally West book. It was about, it was about the whole Flash family, you know? That's where they introduced Impulse, they had um, Jesse Quick and her dad, they had Max Mercury, Jay Garrick, all these people were just as important to the series as the title character was. Like, it's... It, it, essentially, it's kind of like how before they brought Kyle Rayner into Green Lantern Corps, Green Lantern Corps was, yeah, it was the Guy Gardner book, but it was really an ensemble team book at the same time. You know, they're doing that a lot in DC. Green Lantern is being, I mean, because there's the core, it's obviously kind of everybody in one in one book, so to speak. But the Flash. Like you were saying, the Flash family, I think that's kind of still going on in a way. Uh, if if not now, then it will be in Flashpoint because you can clearly see, like, Wally's on the cover and everything. And they're also doing it with Batman because, from what I know, because I'm not reading it, but with the Batman Incorporated thing, like, there was an issue where all the Bat family kind of was together. It's like they're kind of drawing all their properties and their different extensions off of those properties into one book or group of books. Yeah. And that ba- that Batman one is interesting too. It's like a different Batman for every country or or something. I forget how it breaks down. Have they actually started that title series yet, yeah, or Batman not? Batman Inc. Yeah. Yeah, I think okay. it's two or three issues in. Yep. Okay. I'll, is is it? Have you been picking it up? Is it good? I, I have not. I'm going to. I think I'm going to get wait for the trade or the hardcover on that one. Yeah, I'm. Already, if it's already three issues in, I'm. I probably should wait too. But with with the Flash, like. One of the problems is that, you know, with well, as compared to Green Lantern, a lot of the people that that read Hal were were still in comics. So when they brought back Hal, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'm going to start reading this again. Uh, and Kyle was still around. You know, he wasn't that prominent in a lot of things, but he was still around. You know, so when you ha- when you go over to the Flash, it's like, okay. Well, the last time Barry Allen was the Flash was like, you know, what, what was it, 86? 86? 80, 85, 86, yeah, yeah, Crisis. Crisis. You know, that was the last time anybody saw Barry Allen. You know, so, like, the you know, the time span there, you're talking about 25 years that this character's been out. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, what, less than a decade for, for Hal Jordan? And even Hal Jordan... Like, they never really completely got rid of him. It's like, okay, well, you're Green Lantern. Now you're Parallax. You're still going to pop up in a bunch of comics. Now you're the Spectre, and you're still going to pop up in a bunch of comics. So Hal Jordan had a presence, every, you know, all the time. You know, Barry Allen, like, he's shown up a couple of times through time travel stories, 
But generally speaking, like, he's been nowhere to be seen for 25 years. And now all of a sudden, he's the main Flash, and, like, I've been reading the Flash series, and I have no freaking clue what's been happening to Wally, and if I care about anybody, it's going to be Wally more than Barry. Yeah, it's so cool that to think about the fact that there's there's basically like two full generations of comic readers for whom Wally West is the Flash. You know, it's like it's like he's the like the biggest success story for for a successor replacing the original hero that's ever been. You know, he's he just so fully became the main guy and well, not only that, but for people who haven't read comics, since he's been out since 85, the only exposure outside of comics to The Flash, as far as like the, the JLA, JLU animated series, was that version was Wally West. Mm-hmm. So people outside of comics, all they know is Wally West. Yeah. And, I mean, keeping that in mind, like, I went into The Flash, Flash ongoing series. I saw Johns was writing it. I saw Manipal's art. I'm like, you know what? I, w- I want a Flash book. I want to read about the Flash. And this looks like a great creative team. Like, if if anybody can make me like Barry Allen or show me why I should care about Barry Allen, Johns can probably do that. Because that's, that's the exact sentiment I went into uh, Johns Green Lantern number one with. Because when I read Rebirth, I was at a point where I was like, you know what? If I have to to get Hal back to get all this other cool stuff back, Okay, I'm sure Johns will make me care later. <laughs> but like, I just, I, I just, I just want cool, good, fun Flash stories, and for the most part, he's been giving them to us. Mm-hmm. All they, if they, if he could just open it up a little bit to, to use the other characters, like especially Wally, then you know, all the better. Yeah. Well, the other thing about the Flash is that. They took six issues, you know, like, I understand the whole concept of, you know, writing for the trade, but he took six issues and, you know, to to write the storyline that, like, to me was so, like, uninteresting, they could have just condensed that into three issues or four issues or one issue dealing with these, you know, people from the future or whatever. It was so you know dragged out you know like we still got a lot of cool scenes and i really like the plots with uh him and iris yeah Mm -hmm. you know like that stuff like the stuff with barry allen as barry allen was like infinitely more entertaining to me than anything he did as the flash yeah like that's the that's the one thing i really want them to do more of because they kept selling it to us at first of like well what was barry allen before before uh, he died, he was a police scientist. He he was a CSI before the general public knew what that was or what that meant. So, so it's, they kept saying, "Oh, Barry Allen's basically he's the super speed CSI or however they put it," and that's cool. I want to see that. I want to see him. I want to see how he applies his powers to his job. I want to see like like what can he do that his his uh co-workers in the lab can't do or can't do as fast or or would his speed be a detriment to his job in this way or that way and they've kind of they've given us a little tiny bit here and there and but it's like 
It's like you could just, I would love an, an issue where it's just that, just Barry working a case, like not even a supervillain case, just like a regular crime as Barry doing the lab thing, investigating the scene. But that I, I think it also goes back to what you were saying, Jim, about um the oversaturation of Flashpoint teases, because, you know, as I've been reading every issue of this thing, almost definitely every one of them, especially since it's been a big time travel story so far, has been kind of... It, every issue has had that one or two moments where I thought to myself, ah, oh, that's where they're, they're foreshadowing Flashpoint, isn't it? Yeah, it's being forced. It's in you're, what you were talking about with the, uh, the science police thing. I love that stuff. I love the art in that. I love how everything's like, I've, I've been reading the series too. And, uh, it was, I wanted to see it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's a superhero book. So you have to have some villain controversy or whatever, but all of a sudden Barry's back to dealing with something like future rogues. But what was kind of, what was kind of cool about that story, you know, if you're going to read it in trade format or all the issues at once or whatever, was the fact that he's having to solve a murder, kind of. Like, that that was a cool aspect of it I didn't kind of catch until after I went back and read it all at once. Yeah, but it it's like, it's a mystery, but it's not, it wasn't a fair mystery. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I, I hate that. Like, I hate when, you know, they, they set up a mystery... And, you know, like, they're slowly giving you clues, and then by the end, it's revealed to be somebody that, like, you know, they've already established it would be impossible to do. You yeah. Know? Like, so, oh, so wait, so I was just reading along for six issues, also trying to figure out who did this, and what you're telling me is I never would have been able to figure it out because you lied to me on, you know, the second issue. Yeah, it's the equivalent of them them leading you on for five issues saying, all right, it's one of these people over here. And then in the sixth issue saying, oh, it was really this guy, this new brand new character we haven't seen or mentioned before, but here he is and he did it. Right. Yeah. Like that, that to me is just like that. That's, that's cheap mystery. And, you know, and it, and it cheats you. And, and I walk away from that feeling cheated. So, you know, like when you have a book based on that, you better bring in some other interesting things to do quick. Otherwise, I'm going to lose interest real fast. Well, the good thing about the Flash book is I think this is one of the series. Now, for all the problems that the first part of this this new Flash series has had, I think that this is this is good Jeff Johns. Like, have you guys both read the Captain Boomerang and Zoom issues? Oh, God, the Zoom issue is amazing. Yes, I love both. I love the Captain Boomerang, and those were awesome issues. And I don't think we've gotten good Jeff Johns. I want to say almost since Blackest Night. Like I don't, not, nothing against the, the the stories that are going in Green Lantern. They're not they're not as good as I want them to be, and they're not focusing on the characters I want them to focus on. They're still okay. Like for instance, you were talking previous episodes you're talking about the the whole butcher thing uh, and uh carol ferris you know finally coming into her own as a Zamorone queen or whatever but consistent good jeff john's writing hasn't been seen in a while you know and i think the flash is where we're getting it i think it's unfortunate that 
you get about six issues of one kind of side story, and then we have to hop into yet another event. Yeah. Yeah. And and not to mention, like, now we're, I don't know, eight issues, nine issues in, and and still, like, nothing with Wally. I think, like, I, I heard somebody say something to the effect that Wally popped up in, like, I don't know, Titans or Teen Titans for an, an issue or something like that. I don't know. I, I know he's he's on the cover to the next issue of the Flash. I don't know if it, yeah. I don't know if it came out yet. It's the one with um that guy Hot Pursuit on the bike on the cover. No, the the, the most recent issue of Flash that came out is the one with those that DC kind of the the cover series they're doing where it's the character and then their symbol in the background. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Okay. I almost want to see them just put Wally in a team book or something like put him on the justice well don't put him in the justice league robinson's there put wally (laughs) (laughs) like eventually the current titans book is going to run its course and die off because that's what they do (laughs) well (laughs) listen if it keeps up at this quality it won't (laughs) really is it good the titans book like the the one with deathstroke's team is that titans that's Titans, yes. Oh, that's right. I'm reading Teen Titans. Never mind. Is that is is Titans still a Brightest Day banner book? Like, has the whole Os- Osiris resurrecting Iris thing? Okay, or... listen, listen. Uh, spoilers for Titans, uh, if any of our listeners are actually reading that and haven't gotten a chance to read the most recent issue. I, I stopped reading this a while ago because it's Me abysmal. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like, issue one, I was out. I don't know who's writing it, and I, I can't even, you know, comment too much on the writing. It's just that the plot became just completely bizarre for me. But I saw something about, you know, ISIS or whatever on the cover, or something about Shazam. And in the issue, uh, Osiris goes up against Captain Marvel, who at this point is Freddie, Freddie Freeman or... Yeah, that's... The, you know that that this current incarnation of Shazam, and they're fighting, and Osiris says the name of his sister Isis while touching uh, Captain, you know, sh- you know Captain Marvel, and he loses his powers, and then like he he says you change me back that's impossible, and he goes to say it again and he can't access his powers, so apparently he lost his powers. And by removing those powers from him, like Osiris starts glowing white, and it's like you know you have achieved, you know you've uh, succeeded in your mission, life restored, and now Isis is all of a sudden back to life. And that's how they close it. Wait, wait, wait. So Osiris touches Freddy. Right. Osiris loses his powers. Osiris touches Freddy, and says Isis. Yes. And Captain Marvel loses his powers. And now he no longer can change into Shazam. And and then... And Osiris is standing there in front of him, you know, saying it's like, you know, you never deserve those powers. You know, don't ask the gods for help because they're not going to help you. You know, you got them wrongly or something. I don't know. Which And that brings Isis back. Yeah, well, like, after he says that, he starts glowing white like a white lantern. And the white voice says, it's like, you know, you have succeeded in your mission, you know, life restored. And then, like, a page or two later, you know, a page after that, 
Osiris is like, it's like, I've done it. I know it. You're here. You're here. Blah, 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 blah. And they go somewhere, I guess, where they had Isis's body or something. And uh, she's like, you know, on the floor kneeling. And she's just like, you know, what have you done to me? Is Osiris, is it? Is is he a good guy or a bad guy? I I haven't read fifty two, so I I know he's in there or something. He's kind of a dick. He uh well maybe since then I haven't read him out of fifty two, but he's 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 basically <clears throat> he's basically a good kid who just like circumstance kind of made him into a villain. Okay, an antihero maybe? No. no, no. He's similar to Superboy in terms of whininess. Really? I would say so. That's the post-52 thing, then. Yeah, well, I mean, like, yeah, definitely, but it's like, you know, it's like, you know, I want to bring back ISIS, I want to bring back ISIS, I want to restore our family, like, it, it was almost exactly like Superboy with bringing back his planet, you know, his, his universe. We'll we'll turn Lauren to stone and then then count how long it takes you to shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren's not my sister. Um, well, we were going to tell you this off-air, but... <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a booster gold kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you why don't you remind everybody about that, Jim? Jim, because that's something to be proud of. Damn it! No, I don't even want to go into that this time. <laughs> Just so aggravating. You're like not enough incest in DC comics. Hey, booster. I'm hey, not, Booster, isn't your sister hot, huh? <laughs> I'm not rooting for it. It's just that that's, that's damn well how they it looks like they're setting it up. She's the only blonde that he knows and is wearing that costume. I mean, seriously. I know. Where are they going to find a blonde who's capable of putting on clothing? <laughs> yeah, that they can trust with the time stream. Yeah, yeah they only have all of Infinity to pull from. <laughs> Including other time periods and universes. <laughs> they'll, they'll pop into a different universe and be like, we need help from, what are you doing to your sister? <laughs> <laughs> okay, are we talking about Valentine's Day or The Flash? I can't remember. Well, <laughs> what is this episode about? <laughs> there, were, there were two things that I wanted to bring up. One, way back in the issues of Green Lantern, you know, the current series, where they reintroduced the Star Sapphires and the Star Sapphire Core. At the very end of that, you know, that arc, they had this room where they were collecting the, uh, you know, like the other power batteries from the other cores. Like, you know, at, at some point they would need all of them. Oh, yeah. They haven't touched on that at all ever since. Nope. Whoa. And now the queen is dead, and Carol has taken over. Whoa, what? But isn't Krona's setup on, was it, is it Riot? Isn't that the same kind of setup? He's collecting entities and chaining them to a rock? What if, what if he does get all the entities, and the only way to fight him back has something to do with those power batteries? Possible. I mean, it, it could be like... You know, the, the, like the the Zamoran's way of creating like their own artificial white light. I just want a scene where Par where um Carol walks into that room, just looks around, and goes, what "The hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> Who authorized the finances for this room?" 
feng shui is totally off in here. This is awful. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you know, just, just one more thing that I want to... I, I like bringing that up every once in a while to make people think about it, you know, because the, the Star Sapphire is like, okay, now, granted, a, a large portion of their planet was destroyed, you know, with Blackest Night, but now they're rebuilding, and they got a lot of stuff on that planet that's just, like, complete mystery, mm-hmm. so... You know, at some point, that stuff's going to come out. In that issue, because I don't have it, and nor do I have the trade, does it show spots for the lanterns, or does it show the lanterns? I think they actually have some of the lanterns. Yeah, they only had a a few of them. Oh, okay. Do they have an orange one? No, they had... I think they just have violet, green, and yellow. I was going to say, where the hell would they get an orange lantern? Like if it if it already was there, that was that would be crazy. Oh my god! Uh, what what? <laughs> Who's headed to Zamoron? Who do we suppose suppose? Ophidian. Yeah, and in with the battery inside of Hector Hammond. Yes, in his belly. <laughs> yeah, it like in the uh, the la- the last page they have a violet lantern, a green lantern, and a yellow lantern with empty spots for the others. With the symbols on, like, a pedestal or something? Or no, you just, just there's, there's four other empty spots. Empty pedestals for the other lanterns. We just figured... I helped figure something out! Hey. I finally get something right! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would yes. be awesome. That would be awesome. Oh, my Have... God. And it would be even better if, like... Because this happened a long time ago. So they could have very easily you know, gone out and found the other batteries. And then, like, the orange one could be the last one that they need. That would be awesome. They all have rings hovering above the lantern also. Rings? Where do they get the rings? Same place they they got the batteries. Probably, yeah. Well, wait, did... Have the Zamrons ever actually, like, killed somebody? Like, on panel, have we seen them be okay with taking somebody out? Would, do you think the Zamrons would kill someone to get the battery and the ring? Well, they don't need to because they just have to, you know, entrap them with crystal. Oh, convert them into the core. Yeah, and then take the ring off their hand. Wouldn't that be crazy if you had, like, Blue Lantern, Indigo... In, how would they get an Indigo battery? And maybe, Break the maybe, top off the stick? <laughs> yeah, maybe they got one in, like, the commotion of Blackest Night. That's what that well, I'm not talking about the stick. I'm just talking about how do you go about getting not not the battery itself, but how do you go about converting an indigo lantern without them knowing? Because like aren't the okay, the Sinestro Core they're killers, the Red Lantern's obviously killers, and based on what we know so far in the Green Lantern series, maybe the Indigo <laughs> tribe is based a whole bunch of like converted against their will you know, villains or something. How does that story work? How do you get a blue lantern back? Like, just, I'm sorry, all of this stuff hits me at once, and I don't know what, what to say. I think blue blue and orange are the, the hardest ones to get, because they're so rare. Yeah. Uh, but there's, there's plenty of red lanterns out there that they can, you know, grab onto, and... I think he means, like, how would you convert them? Like, is it is it is it a different process for each one? Do you have to attack oh. a different... 
You know, like, how do you convert an indigo lantern? Okay. Who's already being converted by their... Who possibly is already being converted by the ring they're wielding? Very simple. The indigos are devoid of emotion. It's supplied by the ring. So if you take the ring off or, you know, go to convert, the fact that they're devoid of emotion means that, like, they're devoid of a heart to feel love. And that's what the Star Sapphire Ring does. It fills you with love, and, you know, it, it ignites the spark within you. Or just take the ring off them and start fresh. Yeah, yeah, that too. Okay, we've seen... I'm going... You just blew my mind, and I, <laughs> I have, like, a, I have a whole bunch of stuff, it like, rolling through my head right now. We've seen... We've seen a Star Sapphire Central Power Battery. We've seen a Blue Lantern, Green Lantern... Red Lantern, Yellow Lantern. Have we seen anything that could be an Indigo power battery? Like a Central? Not yet. No. Oh, well, except for issue 25 when they show, like, you know, a preview of all the batteries on pedestals or whatever. That's what I'm getting at. What if there is a Central power battery for Indigo and there is one for Orange? Like. Well, I think for Orange it was just the small one. Okay, but how are, where are you getting that from? Because we got Ophidian trapped in Larfleeze's power battery, but at the same time, we only got just got the Butcher trapped in Atrocitus's power battery. But there is a central power battery. Hmm. Well, I mean, Larf, the fact that Larfleeze can keep his ring charged to like like three and a half million percent or something lends it to wants me to think that his personal battery might actually be, or maybe, well, because that, remember, maybe remember, because Ophidian was in it. Remember when we first saw the 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 Agent Orange storyline, we saw an ass ton of of Orange Lantern rings. Why wouldn't there be more Orange Lanterns? Uh, what you call it? Um, just to clarify, in issue twenty five, it is just the regular portable power batteries on the the pillars that we see that we don't see a central power battery for them well out okay outside of that then even outside of that we've seen an ass ton of orange lantern power rings why wouldn't there be batteries why wouldn't there and if if there are a bunch of rings because we've been saying all along how cool would it be to see an Orange Lantern core storyline, like it used to exist. Why else would there be all those rings in the first place if it didn't exist at some point? Well, it very easily... Well, we know that the map to the Orange Battery was among the things, you know, that Krona owned, Mm -hmm. along with the box that contained Parallax. You know, so I, I think they've been setting it up that... Krona, you know, they, they've already said Krona is the one that, you know, he was in charge of, you know, locking down the entities. Mm-hmm. He was probably the one that was in charge of harnessing, you know, emotions as, as batteries. And I think the first one that he tried with was Orange. Now, I think I've mentioned this theory in the past that you know, Orange was the one that he tried with, and, I mean, aside from the fact that it corrupts Guardians, you know, like, that's the thing that put him on his path to wanting 
to see the beginning of the universe, being infected by the orange light. You know, and that's when the other Guardians realize, it's like, wait a second, if this energy can affect Krona, it can affect us. So we need to scrap plans for creating a core because we won't be able to manage the, you know, the energy. Yeah, so the the one Larflees has is basically, you almost call it the prototype for the larger central battery, but it's yeah. still... And plus, if there was a, a skyscraper-sized orange central battery, you'd think Larflees would leave that alone. You would, would just stay parked next to it. <laughs> I think it almost, it almost makes sense. Like, if you had... If you have, like, that central battery made of greed, like, you would almost want it to be small enough that you could take it with you everywhere and never let it out of your sight. Yeah, yeah. Now, the thing that is interesting is there are a bunch of orange rings out there. So whether or not, you know, they ever were in use at one time, if someone was obsessed with becoming an orange lantern, perhaps, say, for the second time, and wanted to, you know, figure out a way to get it, then perhaps they could go to Okara and grab one of these spare rings. And at that point, like, I think with the orange the orange ring, it can steal charges from other rings, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it can... I don't, I don't know if its own energy increases, but it can definitely drain energy out of, out of others. What... what you know, maybe because if they're definitely playing with um, with the timeline and the series of events for Krona and his downfall and everything, so maybe um, one of the last things he tried doing before they finally just just shut him down was start to mass produce rings for the orange battery. Because you know, again, if like you said, if he that's the one he started with, and he could kind of kind of see the writing on the wall maybe he wanted to to start start uh, arming his own group before the guardians came after him and they just got to him before he could what if that's part of the reason they hate krona or krona hates them like that's that could be another thing that leads to the guardians eventually going away and like we've been saying you know someone can you know harness willpower on their own you know just be their be their own guardian so to so to speak you don't need the guardians anymore what if what if the guardians knew all along what these entities being exposed to these emotions would do to them and they assigned krona to do it because they knew the side effects of of what would happen you see what i'm trying to say yeah yeah like uh they well you know more more so that they didn't know what the side effects were and so they assigned krona you know, he he realized that it infected him, and then you know it caused him to go do something which got him banished. I, you know that would definitely be a good motivator for hate. Not to mention, like you said, they Krona kept Parallax in a box and had a map to Okara. So not only did was he exposed to them, he harnessed them. Mm-hmm. Now does that? Does that have to do with prolonged exposure to him or just the fact that he was a guardian? I, th- I think just the fact that he was a guardian and, you know, he was the first one to interact with the entities. Yeah, he took the time to, like, understand them and how they tick. You know, in the original origin of Krona, because Krona was, wasn't around when they created the, the Green Lantern Corps. 
that happened after Krona did the whole dipping into the beginning of the universe thing. So when he says in the current series that he uh, that he wrote part of the Green Lantern oath, he wasn't around. Well, we don't really know like how how far in advance the Guardians were prepping before they actually went ahead and started recruiting. You know, like like they could have had they could have like taken a couple eons between the Manhunters and the first Green Lantern for all we know. You know. And all that, all the while, they could have been like, like putting together like bits and pieces of it till they felt like they had it right. You know, it's like, it's like this this millennium is when we when we decide on an oath. Okay, next millennium we're going to talk about boot trim or something. I don't. know. Well, the other thing is, he could have written down oaths, you know, way back before they were even considering, you know, creating cores. Like he just had a, an oath <laughs> just picture Krona lying on his bed scribbling oaths into his <laughs> diary with the Dawson's Creek soundtrack playing in the background well well actually the the original oath was first spoken by Alan Scott you know like you're, say, you're saying he's Krona's father no what I'm saying Damn is it. <laughs> that Al, well Alan's ring well, actually, no, because he his ring was mixed with Yalangar. I really don't think they're doing that anymore. <laughs> well, even so, like you know, if they're just going by the Starheart thing, you know, he gets his power from the Starheart. You know, that means that the oath would have to have been, you know, absorbed somehow into the Starheart for Alan to know it. So that means they would know it at the time when they were ridding the universe of random magic, at which point Krona was probably still around. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to say... Oh, uh, that was point one? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was point one that we just got like an hour of conversation out of. Jeez. This one, well, this next one will be quick, though. You know, since we're, you know, talking the Valentine's Day episode, the other you know, Star Sapphire thing that I was thinking of earlier this week was, you know, while listening to to Dan's, you know, Mosaic uh, podcast, uh, which is currently up for, you know, an, an, uh, it's nominated for an award, the, the Noisy Award. Uh, Dan, why don't you tell them where they can uh, email to vote for you? Oh, damn it. Um, damn. I can come I back hope. to you. Okay, go, go, dude. <laughs> okay, so while listening to this episode, you know, there's lots of talk about Jon Stewart. And, you know, one particular issue is Jon Stewart and his wife, now deceased, Kat Matui. And, you know, he's having, you know, a bunch of issues and a psychic battle with, with Hal Jordan. And it got me thinking, like, yeah, Hal Jordan, you know, Jon Stewart, rather, his wife was murdered by Star Sapphire. You know, Carol Ferris, back in the day, she went crazy, killed Jon Stewart's wife. You know, that's that's still stayed with him. Now, here we are in the current series, like, since Carol has gotten a ring, again, she has not interacted with Jon Stewart at all. Like, there may have been, like, you know, five minutes in, you know, Blackest Night, where they happen to have to work together for, you know, stopping the annihilation of the universe. But but generally speaking, 
they haven't really interacted on a one-on-one basis. And you would think that if anybody would have a problem with, you know, her becoming a Star Sapphire again and now becoming the queen of the Star Sapphires, it would probably be the guy who is now a widow because Carol, you know, as a Star Sapphire, you know, killed his wife. So I, I'm, I'm just thinking that at some point, like, that's a confrontation that we need to see go down. Yep. I, it's, it's almost, like, conspicuous by the fact that it's been absent this far. I can't I can't see it being any big major story point, but I can see it being, like, a, a page or two of an argument. I guess maybe that argument could evolve into a story point, but I don't see the actual confrontation itself being a, a story point. Hey, have we seen Fatality since Blackest Night? Because she and John, like, they had, like, a like a not-quite-plot going there for a little bit where it's kind of reconciling Zanshi and all that and her changing, well, changing her colors, I was going to say, but she she did. She got a couple of rings, but... Yeah, no, um, I don't actually think we've seen anything with her speaking since Ancient Orange. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back to wrap up the show. Yep. Connection complete. Encryption successful, frequency 915. Greetings, fellow Lanterns. This is Corpse Lantern Kroll reporting with another fair file update. My visit to the planet Xamaron took an unexpected twist and lasted a lot longer than I had anticipated. I have found a wonderful uh, uh, possible future resource that may prove invaluable. I'll maintain prolonged contact to ensure its viability. On another note, my contact there has relayed some useful information regarding the love entity, which is also known as the Predator. I'm sure the Guardians would be surprised to hear that Queen Acapo has recently given her life to reignite the central violet power battery. What's even more surprising is that she left the Earthling Sapphire, Carol Ferris, as the new queen and at her side is the Predator. This entity is extremely dangerous and unpredictable. If we are to maintain a contingency plan against the Xamarons, we must plan on dealing with the Predator. No, you're her enemy. The Predator was once thought to be the third personality of Carol Ferris. The second was the evil Star Sapphire who was created when Carol was possessed by the Sapphire Gem. This gem may also have been the source of the Central Violet Power Battery. It was largely more powerful than the manufactured Sapphire Rings that are now worn by the Violet Core. The Xamarons had done well with hiding the true origin of the Predator, but they were hardly able to control it. Its connection to Carol may explain why it had always had a disdain towards Green Lantern Hal Jordan. Right before the Black Lantern's attack, the Sinestro Corps were at war with the Xamarons, and amongst the violence, the Predator was able to make its escape. Arriving on Earth, it found a host, but was confronted and tamed by Carol. She seems to understand it, and because of that, it acts like her pet. So be warned, any action against Carol may incur its wrath. It seems the only thing we know for certain is that the Predator is predictably unpredictable, and can be random in its actions. However, I'm at a loss to figure out how we can use that to our benefit. Use the information I've given you wisely. You wouldn't believe the things I've witnessed on Xamarin. I feel I should return in the next few cycles to ensure that that, uh, possible resource is still viable. Corpse Lantern Kroll, signing off. 
Okay, and thanks to Corwin for that awesome little bit of Valentine's Day goodness. Uh, now to close us out, I'll, t- I'll take over this week just so that we can get it done really quick. If you want to reach us, you can do so at lanterncast at gmail.com or we all have our own individual emails at lanterncast.com. So that's Jim or Dan or Jason or Chad or James, our fantastic what producer? Producer is his yes. title? Yes. Yes. Producer. He's, he's epic. Yeah, so that's our emails. Our website is lanterncast.com. Uh, from there, we have links to our forum, our Facebook page, our brand new updated gallery with stuff from all of us, and uh, a voicemail number, 206-202-1159. You can also find us on iTunes by searching for LanternCast. And I'm currently trying to figure out a way to get us onto the Zoom marketplace, but not having much luck. So uh, we're working on that. I think that's it. Is that it, everybody? Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we now have a Twitter account. Um, soon that will be on the, the main page also. And uh, our Facebook page, we do uh, post a lot of news also. Uh, we, there's also yeah. <laughs> the Lantern Cast uh, Larfleys report. Uh, Facebook page. Search for that for Larflees on uh, Facebook. And uh, that's going to do it. So long, everybody. Good night. Good night. Who's here? Yes. Ah, you can see me. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, this is the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hey. Hey. Are, you eating, are you eating pizza again? No. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> I'll just develop a tick. Like, every time I hear Chad's voice, I have to eat pizza. <laughs> Uh, well, you live in the perfect place for it. I know. We have great pizza, unlike Texas, I assume. I don't know. <laughs> uh, my my uh, exposure to pizza is like trying to compare which tastes better, Pizza Hut or Domino's. <laughs> oh, well, I lo- that's like I like corrugated cardboard, <laughs> but I also, I also like the smaller kind that you can rip easier. <laughs> uh, Domino's got a lot better. That's true with the garlic crust. Yeah. Mm. Although I, I have to admit I don't like their their uh their red sauce. Every time I order it, I get the chicken bacon ranch with the uh the white sauce. Well, actually that sounds really good. But one of the other things that I do is I'll get like a thin crust, and then I'll get bacon, chicken, and barbecue sauce. I hate I hate thin crust pizza. Oh. You hate thin crust? Hang up on him. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. Before you write thin crust crust pizza off forever like i was just like you i didn't like thin crust pizza because it gets all crispy and it's just like you're just like crunching the pizza and it's like dried out 
and it's gross, right? That's why you hate thin crust? Exactly. The bread gives it more flavor when it's thick. Well, with the Domino's, it's like mm. they make a thin crust, but they don't make it so that it's so <laughs> crispy that there's no give, you know, where it's just like you're eating, like, pizza on a cracker. Yeah. It's not <laughs> like that. It's, well, at least the ones that I've had. It's like, it's delicious. It's fantastic. I mean, especially like, with their... With, like, Domino's garlic crust. Like, I want more of that. Like, that buttery garlic <laughs> taste. Give me thick crust instead of thin, you know? The buttery crust is definitely good, but, uh, what you call it? Like, for me, like, it's just, it's so much, you know, it's just like you're, you're loading up on just bread. As well, I'll, to- I'll, I'll, I'll give pizza every chance it deserves. I'll try thin, <laughs> I'll try different toppings. But I'll only give it every chance it, it deserves if I'm in New York. That's true. You'll get to try. You'll have to try a different take on pizza every two blocks, <laughs> un- unless you're near the Javits Center. <laughs> I like I like how our uh, outtakes have like a theme. First, you talked about pizza, then we continued the discussion about pizza. <laughs> Next time we hit a milestone, I'm just eating pizza throughout the whole damn thing. I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to make the pepperoni on the top shaped like it says lantern cast. <laughs> Take a picture of it. <laughs> no, if you're going to do it, you have to have a pizza with a pepperoni making the symbol for the the rage symbol. Ooh. No, it should be greed, shouldn't it? Maybe you get some peppers to make the greed. No, yeah. red, rage, sauce. No. Delicious cheese. You can have that too. It's food. Listen, listen. Food for greed. 